0: Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Yay! Hey, everybody. It's your girl, Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone. And your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and other selves. And no matter the negative circumstances and appearances in this world, Let us not get too distracted with the outer, but throughout all life's dealings, and we must deal with this life, let us make every effort to stay focused on the love and light of our mighty I AM presence, and be uplifted and encouraged from the inside out, so that from our beings we'll radiate more positive energy, love and light throughout the atmosphere, reaching everyone everywhere all over the world. And it is true, the energy that we send out into the world affects everyone and everything. If there's a lot of hateful and destructive energy dominating the world, negative distractions, too much attention dedicated to such, then of course the world experiences more. If there was more love in life, more positive energy dominating the world, loving distractions with an increase in attention dedicated to love, life, and justice for all, then, of course, the world would experience more. So, yes, there is power in the love and light of every individual on the face of this earth. And, yes, positive and lasting changes can be made in the world. But those changes must first start from within us. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and light. And y'all be loved.
1: Recognize the I Am in everything you do, and think always of the I Am, as being you, the Supreme You. Whenever you think, realize that it is the I Am that originated the thought. Whenever you act, realize that it is the I Am that gives initiative to that action, and whenever you think of yourself or try to be conscious of yourself, realize that the I Am occupies the throne of your entire field of consciousness. Another important essential is to affirm silently in your own mind that you are the I Am, And as you affirm this statement or as you simply declare positively i am think of the i am as being the ruling principle in your whole world as being distinct and above and superior to all else in your being and as being you yourself in the highest largest and most comprehensive sense you thus lift yourself up so to speak to the mountaintop of masterful individuality you enthrone yourself you become true to yourself you place yourself where you belong Through this practice you not only discover yourself to be the master of your whole life, but you elevate all your conscious actions to that lofty state in your consciousness that we may describe as the throne of your being, or as that center of action within which the ruling I am lives and moves and has its being. If you wish to control and direct the forces you possess, you must act from the throne of your being, so to speak, or in other words, from that conscious point in your mental world wherein all power of control, direction and initiative proceeds and this point of action is the center of the I Am. You must act, not as a body, not as a personality, not as a mind, but as the I Am, and the more fully you recognize the lofty position of the I Am, the greater becomes your power to control and direct all other things that you may possess. In brief, whenever you think or act, you should feel that you stand with the I Am, at the apex of mentality on the very heights of your existence, and you should at the same time, realize that this I Am is you, the Supreme You. The more you practice these methods, the more you lift yourself up above the limitations of mind and body, into the realization of your own true position as a masterful individuality. In fact, you place yourself where you belong, over and above everything in your organized existence. When we examine the mind of the average person, we find that he usually identifies himself with mind or body. He either thinks that he is body or that he is mind, and therefore he can control neither mind nor body. The I am in his nature is submerged in a bundle of ideas, some of which are true and some of which are not, and his thought is usually controlled by those ideas without receiving any direction whatever from that principle within him that alone was intended to give direction. Such a man lives in the lower story of human existence, but as we can control life only when we give directions from the upper story, we discover just why the average person neither understands his forces nor has the power to use them he must first elevate himself to the upper story of the human structure, and the first and most important step to be taken in this direction is to recognize the I am as the ruling principle, and that the I am is you. Another method that will be found highly important in this connection is to take a few moments every day and try to feel that you, the I am are not only above mind and body, but in a certain sense, distinct from mind and body. In fact, try to isolate the I am for a few moments every day from the rest of your organized being. This practice will give you what may be termed a perfect consciousness of your own individual I am, and as you gain that consciousness you will always think of the Supreme I am whenever you think of yourself. Accordingly, all your mental actions will, from that time on, come directly from the I am, and if you will continue to stand above all such actions at all times, you will be able to control them and direct them completely. The I am is fundamentally conscious, That is, the I am knows what exists in the human field or in the human sphere and what is taking place in the human sphere, and that constitutes consciousness. In brief, you are conscious when you know that you exist and have some definite idea as to what is taking place in your sphere of existence. What we speak of as form, is everything in the organized personality that has shape and that serves in any manner to give expression to the forces within us. In the exercise of consciousness, we find that the I am employs three fundamental actions, When the I am looks out upon life we have simple consciousness. When the I am looks upon its own position in life we have self-consciousness, and when the I am looks up into the vastness of real life we have cosmic consciousness. In simple consciousness, you are only aware of those things that exist externally to yourself, but when you begin to become conscious of yourself as a distinct entity, you begin to develop self-consciousness. When you begin to turn your attention to the great within and begin to look up into the real source of all things you become conscious of that world that seemingly exists within all worlds and when you enter upon this experience you are on the borderland of cosmic consciousness the most fascinating subject that has ever been known your forces and how to use them by christian d larson 1912
0: Isis Unveiled, Chapter 14.
1: Professor Albrecht Muller says, we may ascribe the introduction of bronze manufacture into Europe to a great race immigrant from Asia some 6,000 years ago, called Arias or Arians. Civilization of the East preceded that of the West by many centuries. There are many proofs that a considerable degree of culture existed at its very beginning. Bronze was yet in use, but iron as well. Pottery was not only shaped on the lathe, but burned a good red. Manufactures in glass, gold, and silver are found for the first time. In lonely mountain places are yet found dross, and the remains of iron furnaces. To be sure, this dross is sometimes ascribed to volcanic action, but it is met with where volcanoes never could have existed. But it is in the process of preparing mummies that the skill of this wonderful people is exemplified in the highest degree. None but those who have made special study of the subject, can estimate the amount of skill, patience, and knowledge exacted for the accomplishment of this indestructible work, which occupied several months. Both chemistry and surgery were called into requisition. The mummies, if left in the dry climate of Egypt, seem to be practically imperishable, and even when removed after a repose of several thousand years, show no signs of change. The body, says the anonymous writer, was filled with myrrh, kasha, and other gums, and after that, saturated with natron, then followed the marvelous swathing of the embalmed body, so artistically executed, that professional modern bandages have lost in admiration at its excellency. Says Dr. Granville, there is not a single form or bandage known to modern surgery, of which far better and clever examples are not seen in the swathings of the Egyptian mummies. The strips of linen are found without one single joint, extending to 1,000 yards in length. Rosslini, in Kenrick's ancient Egypt, gives a similar testimony to the wonderful variety and skill with which the bandages have been applied and interlaced. There was not a fracture in the human body that could not be repaired successfully by the sacerdotal physician of those remote days. H. P. Blavatsky Who but well remembers the excitement produced some 25 years ago by the discovery of anesthesia. The nitrous oxide gas, sulfuric and chloric ether, Chloroform, laughing gas, besides various other combinations of these, were welcomed as so many heavenly blessings to the suffering portion of humanity. Poor Dr. Horace Wells, of Hartford, in 1844, was the discoverer, and Drs. Morton and Jackson reaped the honors and benefits in 1846, as is usual in such cases. The anesthetics were proclaimed the greatest discovery ever made. And, though the famous letheon of Morton and Jackson, a compound of sulfuric ether, The chloroform of sir james e simpson and the nitrous oxide gas introduced by colton in 1843 and by dunham and smith were occasionally checked by fatal cases it still did not prevent these gentlemen from being considered public benefactors the patient successfully put to sleep sometimes awoke no more what matters that so long as others were relieved physicians assure us that accidents are now but rarely apprehended Perhaps it is because the beneficent anesthetic agents are so parsimoniously applied as to fail in their effects one half of the time, leaving the sufferer paralyzed for a few seconds in his external movements, but feeling the pain as acutely as ever. On the whole, however, chloroform and laughing gas are beneficent discoveries. But, are they the first anesthetics ever discovered, strictly speaking? Dioscorides speaks of the Stone of Memphis lapis memphiticus, and describes it as a small pebble, round, polished and very sparkling. When ground into powder and applied as an ointment to that part of the body on which the surgeon was about to operate, either with his scalpel or fire, it preserved that part, and only that part from any pain at the operation. In the meantime, it was perfectly harmless to the constitution of the patient, who retained his consciousness throughout, in no way dangerous from its effects, and acted so long as it was kept on the affected part. When taken in a mixture of wine or water, all feeling of suffering was perfectly deadened. Pliny gives also a full description of it. H. P. Blavatsky The
0: I Am Discourses, Volume 14
1: You can cut your way in the midst of a veritable jungle by this conscious command to life because it isn't your outer self that is doing all this you let the presence come in or the higher mental body blaze its flame and its light rays into the outer self and those light rays go before you to clear the conditions that otherwise would be your human struggle and if you will armor yourselves with our eternal invincible purity and our authority of freedom to the earth our authority of the cosmic christ which means the mighty eye am presence in the great central sun that authority manifests as a flame always. You shall be armored in that. Your I am ascended master youth headquarters can be filled with it. Your own individual business activities can be so charged with it, day after day. You can demand the increase of it a thousandfold every hour or every day, and if you stand in charge and give your life into that, qualified that way, that's the way life will come back to you. And all it takes is the removal of your attention, the disconnection of your attention from the discordant conditions, or the limitations of the outer world long enough to give the command, and then you go about your business, and you will find that wave of light has gone before you and will do what you, on the physical side, cannot do. We are determined, precious ones, to make you the victory for which we call. We are not going to let down one second on the I am ascended master youth, because we will guard you, provided you are through experimenting with misery in the outer world. If you don't believe us, if you don't believe we are real, if you don't want to obey this law, well, that's quite all right with us. Go to the outer world. Suffer it out as long as you please. That's your privilege, with which we have no desire to interfere, except when you get miserable enough, I think you will remember us. You usually do. Beloved Elohim of Purity. We have found that, all through the centuries, And the outer world hasn't done anything except to experiment with misery ever since the end of the Second Golden Age. Every time a great being of light has come and given a transcendent gift, most of the time he or she has been persecuted or crucified, or next door to it, during the lifetime, and then later on things have been reversed. But you will find the outer world will not offer you one thing but misery, distress and limitation, if you don't stand and clothe yourselves in the cosmic Christ love from the great central sun, and then blaze that light into the world around you, so that you build your world out here according to the perfection of the law. Then, if you fill your world with the mighty Christ love of your I Am Presence and from our octave, well then, your electronic circle, which is your world. Your sphere of life becomes filled with our perfection and our power to help you accomplish anything you require to live in this world and still go forth to your victory and your freedom but if a thing is going to live in your world precious ones it either lives by your life or it doesn't live just make up your mind whatever you want to do or manifest in the outer life has to live by your life or it is not in your world and you should think deeply upon that to which you want to give your life everything in your electronic circle Everything in your world of affairs, either lives because you put your energy into it, which is your life, and your life is the love from your presence, and your presence is the love and the flame from the great central sun. Therefore, whatever you want to do in the outer, you may do because love is all-powerful, but you have to give it your attention and pour that energy into it, qualified with cosmic Christ love, and the ascended master's perfection, if it is to be sustained or expanded, because unless it is perfection, it is not worthy to exist in the universe and we cannot give our energy to something that is not constructive. That's self-evident. We cannot use discordant energy. We cannot use tired energy. Beloved Elohim of purity,